Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! Welcome in to episode 101 of 11 Personnel. Nick Roush with you once again this week, hanging out alongside Adam Luckett to talk some ball after a very busy recruiting week. I was out and about vacationing, uh, didn't get the best weather, came home with a sick baby. So it could have been better, but Luckett, we salvaged it by making a purchase at Walmart. There you go. You picked an interesting week to be off because a lot happened while you were gone, my man. A lot really did happen. But a the lot. biggest development in my world was I got a Vortex football, and I hadn't thrown one of those bad boys in, man, probably since, I don't know, third, fourth grade, something like that, and a lot lighter than I remember. Now, obviously, I was a child, so but I think the foam doesn't hurt quite as bad if you can't catch the ball and get hit in the face now. But that whistle, man, that thing's still just... Yeah, that, the whistle's special for sure. Oh, man, and you can just throw that thing over a mountain. It's it's great. So if you haven't thrown a Vortex at football in a while, they're, they're still out there. They're just as great as they were before. Uh, and frankly, I can't think of anything better to talk about than Vortex footballs for the next hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like we have much. I yeah, mean, we, yeah. Not a whole lot happening for June. I, it seems like Kentucky football. We've had a lot of stuff. Like it hasn't really been all that slow. I don't think. I think we may have had a couple weeks there, but yeah, we've had a lot of stuff happen here between the portal recruiting period, commitments, coaches getting in trouble. There's been a lot of stuff going on for sure. Yeah, and I really that's like this is tip, like you said this is kind of the the slow season under normal circumstances, uh, but camps. I think part of it is you don't know what you got till it's gone. So when camps and stuff like that come back around, official visits, you just get you get a little bit more amped up. Uh, it was the first time in a long time that we'd been able to have official visits, and to top that off. You know, as you mentioned, just just a ton happening. So, uh, do we want to get into good news or bad news first? Maybe we get some bad news out of the way. I don't know. Yeah, it does. Yeah, let's just go ahead. Because it's kind of an elephant in the room. For the second time in three months, we've got an assistant coach arrested. And this time, it was under different circumstances. And even though he he's not technically an assistant coach, I think it's safe to say that Dan Brezowitz might be the most important person in the Kentucky football program that's not Mark Stoops. Uh, he's his right-hand man. He does everything behind the scenes that a coach doesn't necessarily do, uh, but he still has like his eyes and ears are low to the ground. If there's reports coming out, he makes sure Stoops knows what he needs to know. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of been his job from the get-go. From the recruiting standpoint, from media, everything – about the UK football program that's being talked about. He's relaying the most pertinent info to Stoops. He's providing advice. 
and he's one of the original staff members. He was the director of recruiting for a long time uh, and just got promoted to chief of staff. Uh, I guess it was what? Three years ago in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he, over the weekend, late Sunday night, was arrested for fourth degree assault. Uh, It's a class A misdemeanor in Lexington. And to uh, read this all out, the assault was on his wife. Uh, It says he approached the victim, shoving her, her into their vehicle's front driver's side door. The victim can be heard on video stating, you hurt my back. The victim appeared to strike back at the listed suspect in self-defense. Listed suspect later grabbed her by the arm, twisted it, which resulted in her falling to the ground. Both subject and victim are uncooperative. So uh, alcohol and drugs were not involved, according to the citation. Uh, But nevertheless, it's a bad look, Um, you know, and I think it's also one of those things too lucky, even though we shouldn't diminish either. It's one thing for, you know, a DUI, like that's a thing even though we've gotten stricter on uh, in our culture that's that's still like a, okay it's a first offense maybe we can uh, i i don't know I, but domestic assault is just there's any way you cut it it's bad so i i don't know if this tape will get out but i think whatever that tape shows will have a lot to do with uh, what ended up happening what ends up happening with bros yeah, I think, first of all, like Brezowitz, he's kind of the guy who's in charge of all the off-field people, I think. Kind of, you know, you have the recruiting department, you have other departments, and he's kind of just the guy who runs all that. And mm-hmm. so every every football organization, high-level football, has that. You know, some call it director of football ops, but chief of staff. I mean, everybody has, like, you go in a house, they cleanse him, yada, 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 they all have a guy like that. So mm-hmm. he's an integral piece of the football operation over there at UK. And so, and he's been with Stoops from the beginning. You know, it's been him, Merrill, Buffano, um, and, and him, I think, and maybe Josh Pruitt too. But they, they've been, all of them been there since, you know, he was hired pretty much just, mm-hmm. you know, stuck through the whole way. Um, his kids yeah, walked on there. His uh, kids walked on. One of his kids is a GA there right yeah. now. I think the other might have like a different kind of role too, but nevertheless, they're a big part of the program. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's just going to – I mean, we'll just – I don't think it's fair for us to say really much about this right now. We just have the report, um, and we're just going to have to see how it goes. I think it's going to be something that Stoops is going to have to address. Definitely. I think SEC media days and at Kentucky's media day, he's going to get questions about, you know, his coaching staff. Like, you built this good culture, but why, why are all these things happening? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on kind of there? And right. on top of all the staff turnover they've had. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he answers those questions. Cause I think he's going to get um, a lot of them over the next month or so. Yeah. And he also can't be, even though it's his guy, you know, I don't, I don't think Brez is a Youngstown guy, but you can't be super defensive too. Like it's going to be a fine line because there's no doubt that this is uh Probably, I mean, the, the, the folks over the football facility got to be kind of shook by it um, because Brez is a well-liked guy over there that everybody knows pretty well. Um, hell, how many times do we hear Vince Merrow in interviews saying, Dan Brezowitz, I'd come over there and show him that, you know, like he's well-liked. So I, I, I don't know what this means next for UK football, but it's it's certainly 
not good news. Yeah, I mean, he was he spent six seasons at Arizona with Mike Stoops, including the last four as a recruiting coordinator. Um, so he, that, that's really kind of his big background is kind of the evaluation side of things. Um, like he, you talk about him coming from Arizona. Corey Edmond came from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Frank Buffano was at Arizona. So there, there's a lot of – you know, his work history, I guess, would be the best way to put it. But, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's an important part of the operation. It's just going to be interesting to see how it all, how it all, you know, breaks out and what Stoops decides to do. At, at the end of the day, though, it is, it is an off-the-field person, but it's the second thing to happen this offseason. That's kind of a, yeah. not, a, not a good look for the coaching, or the, the coaching staff. I guess silver lining, not the players. Um, and, uh, I guess if you want to, and, and I think we should get into Dare Rosenthal because that's, it's kind of the weird two sides of this coin because in Rosenthal's case, I, I, I will hand up. I do not know the nature of all of Rosenthal's in and outs with the program, but it, it essentially came out on Monday. We've been kind of heard, I think Roland started teasing this on Sunday that there could be a guy joining the program soon. We find out uh, – I, I did a thing too lucky where I got a clue that it was an LSU offensive lineman. I thought I had it figured out. Would not have guessed starting left tackle. Yeah, me either. Man, me either. <laughs> it, it, none of the clues pointed to Dare Rosenthal. But when his name came out, you're like, oh, so this is kind of the boss man fat thing. And I I, I admittedly thought that if, if Kentucky – Kelvin Joseph, there's no denying it. He was awesome. He did well on the field. But the off-the-field stuff, he didn't actually get in trouble. But quitting early, like, I don't I don't get the impression that they he completely ever bought into that culture. So, I thought they would be over the hired guns because in Rosenthal's case, he's kind of similar in that he's a potential future uh, day one, day two draft pick who's going to be a hired gun for a year if he ends up in Lexington, which – you know, right now it looks like there's a very good chance it's going to happen. A few things here. First thing is LSU does not have the greatest football culture right now. Um, there's a ton of players leaving, players getting suspended, players opted out last year. A lot of guys opted out. Ed Orgeron, um, there's, um, there was rape allegations that he may have not reported. He's scheduled to go to court, I think, later this month or August regarding that. There's a lot going on at LSU. And so – I mean, we'll see what happened there. Well, why why was he suspended two times? We don't know. Uh, that's something that you're going to have to just kind of hope the coaching staff digs into. And then on Kelvin Joseph, like obviously there was a rumblings and all that, but from our seat, Nick, like the transfer worked. Yeah. He yeah. came in, he started, he had four interceptions. You didn't really hear anything, you know, nothing like super bad happened. Yeah, yeah. He He opted out for the last two games. He got who was a top 50 pick. Yeah. I mean, the, the transfer did work. I think a lot of this is two things, really. I think we're seeing the Eric Wolford kind of, they want traits, like athletic traits in offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Instead of maulers. Uh, and I think, yeah, at Kentucky right now, they've had, they have a little more maulers than that. So I think that's attractive to him. And think it's a way to enhance the strength and I think it's a total Jimmy's and Joe's move. I um Kyle Tucker for the athletic he wrote the state of the program piece. 
mm-hmm. which is kind of the athletics preseason magazine, just daily features kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Snoop's had a quote in there. It was pretty much like, you know, we're really good at evaluating, but in the SEC, you've got to have those different make difference makers. Um, you just have to have them. And so for Kentucky, I think you're playing rosters like three, you have three opponents on your schedule this year that over 50% of their roster is four and five star recruits. Like the goal is to beat those teams. You're not doing it with, you know, you got to have ball players. So it's a way to, you know, the transfer portal is a way to upgrade your roster for Kentucky. Um, and we've seen it in the past. I'm taking Joseph Gatewood, now Wandell Robinson, and Rosenthal, I think, falls in with that. I have some questions about how how it's going to fit. Yeah, yeah. On the offensive line, I can mean, he play guard? I but mean, yeah, I mean, it's also ahead. one of those things too. Like, it you you it would make a lot more sense if he was an edge rusher or a yeah, cornerback. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, because you you have Kennard. You promised him a spot at left tackle. I don't think you're taking that away from him. So do you put this guy right and make uh, Flax the guy who's your sixth tackle and kind of spells them both? Or, like you said, do you kick him down to guard? I I don't know. Uh, it, it could end up having if – if all things work out perfectly, Kentucky has two first-round draft picks at offensive tackle next year um, and the best offensive line in the country. Yeah. But I, I, I do want to just go back to, to – your, your point about LSU is correct about just the stuff going on within the program, especially with all the opt-outs. They definitely had that swagger two years ago when uh, when Rosenthal was a part of the program and they actually won uh, a few games. Say a few games. But when they won the national title and they were one of the best teams we've ever seen in college football history. But once that kind of mass exodus of players left, there was a vacuum and and they weren't really prepared for it, I guess you would say. So it, it gets me to the point that Kentucky does have that culture, but with the latest things with the coaches, you you wonder like that it, it makes you ask questions, especially because you don't yeah. have Schlarm in there anymore. Uh he was your rock that was there for so long. And I, I, I don't want to just assume that stability is going to be there because here's the thing. This has happened before where they got a hired gun. It was Marcellus Jones from Ohio state. And he came in, he had some screws loose. I don't know. It was Xavier really, Peters kind of same way too. Yeah. And it, it, when it didn't work out, they were fine moving on without him. Um, and it, and, and, and you know what, in EJ Price's case, it actually did work. They were able to kind of rein him in for a year. So, you can trust that that would be taken care of in an offensive line room that had Drake Jackson, Landon Young, and Jarwin Charman. But all those guys are gone now. So that I guess that's where um, you – I don't want to say you need Kennard to be that guy, but you need some – like I, I just don't know who that guy is because there was so much stability for so long. Yeah, I would just come back to you and say they've got Luke Fortner, Darren Kennard are kind of leaders in that room, Austin Dotson – Kenneth Horsey are all upperclassmen that have played a lot. I think culturally they're fine. That's why I think um, you can get Rosenthal in here and it can work. I have no real issues about that because, like you said, if it doesn't work, they're not going to be afraid. Like that kid's going to probably – if there is issues, he could have a short leash, you know. It's not going to hurt you if it doesn't work. It's also one of those things, too, that, like, if you need an enforcer, like – I trust they have some dudes that are – I just think (laughs) – yeah, for for Kentucky, though, like this is – this is why you want, like, 
you have to build a strong locker room and a strong culture, which I think they have. And then you have to, you have to do things like this, I think, in the SEC. Because that's yeah, the best yeah. that's the best way to get some talent on your roster. So you have to hopefully the like a, a football locker room is eighty five scholarships and twenty dudes. You want the majority of those hundred guys to be you know straight up good guys that you would take home to your like marry your daughter that you could trust to do anything. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to have a handful of knuckleheads in there, <laughs> and that some of those knuckleheads are going to be really important players on your team. Right, right. You just have to hope that the structure of your organization and the the pieces surrounding some of the knuckleheads that they you can kind of balance them out where they kind of just fall in line kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I'm not saying they're, I don't know if Rosenthal's a knucklehead or not, but that's just, that's just how I think a football team works um, in general. And that's just, I think Kentucky feels comfortable enough that they're probably going to, they're willing to take a chance on a guy like this, but it is weird. It's a weird position. Yeah, and yeah. transfer. I think that's probably the that the strength, the weirdest part of this whole thing. It's like you're strengthening a strength. I mean, which yeah, it's enhancing you, a strength. You, it's kind of a luxury. You would hope that they would address weaknesses elsewhere, and they have for the most part, except for like an edge rusher, or you know, yeah. maybe another receiver. But it, but it screams to me that just the the type of player that they are they're targeting is just different. Um, we're going to get into their latest commitment, who kind of falls in line with the same, same um, thinking. I think it's just that I think there's going to be maybe maybe there's going to be more turnover here in this offensive line room than we originally expected. Um, yeah, because yeah, it seems like the the body type and the the, the skills they're looking for are just different than what they were looking for previously. I also think it's significant too. We can we we can shift to recruiting on this point if they're going to be taking guys like this you have to shrink your class size. And, you know, I've kind of been keeping an eye on some of these guys. You've had a lot of official visitors come in. But I got to think, well, I get that half the dudes that are officially visiting might be takes, if that. I think Wolford is ready to get his class over with. I think he prefers to get the officials over in June. Let's Lock have them up. Yeah. Seal them up. Well, uh, they got one. Nick Hall, Antonio Hall's son, uh, joined. I guess that gets him up to 11 commitments now in this right. class. Yes. And first off, like, holy crap, Antonio Hall's got a kid in college. Like, that's, I, I know they're, uh, we're not exactly old heads, but I, I, even I'm feeling the, oh God, you're old, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember watching Antonio Hall for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Antonio Hall, he still looks like a dude that you would not want to mess with. Uh, but Nick Hall committed over the weekend following an official visit. Love to see legacies, especially a legacy that uh, I think he's moved around a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't he in Arizona for a little while, or is that another? I'm not sure what – because he went to Austin, Texas last year, but I, Antonio Hall's Twitter said he's like the athletic director of a yeah, school up in Ohio. So I'm, he's at, I'm, he's at I'm McKinley now. In I'm wondering if he's going to go there. I, I'm assuming he's going there next year. Yeah, yeah. Which Kent McKinley, that's the big rival with Maslin. That's where Antonio Hall went. They're one of the oldest schools in the country. So I, I'm guessing that it was a case where he's moved around some because of his dad's uh, job. Uh, but um, nevertheless, a, a nice get, a versatile piece. Who's He's listed as a tackle now, uh, but he'll probably I, – I would assume he's got the – the tools to be more of a guard, uh, you know, he, he's got, and he has the length. So you go back to the, 
what you said earlier, traits, traits, traits. Nick Hall has it. And also, what's the deal with Nick's without the C anymore? When did that become a thing? Hey, Nick, let's pause right quick. I got to do something. All good. Yeah, I guess that might be a new thing. Uh, I guess I'm on the hot seat. Right, Ogninovich, uh had was the same way. Who's now at Akron, tight end? So, so was Scalzo. Scalzo, yeah, he's hanging. He's still there. Yeah, Nick's I guess I, it's a new thing, man. Nick's with Caesar like, in the minority. You're a dinosaur. <laughs> you're a dinosaur. <laughs> that's, that's how I'm feeling. Really old is I got a C in my name, and Antonio Hall has got a kid <laughs> at UK. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious! But, but with Hall, he's he's six six, three hundred plus. But his arms were like super long, super long wingspan. He can really move for his size. He's a, a he's more of a development player. But that's I mean that's offensive line. That's what you're kind of expecting. Mm-hmm. But you can see the tools with him, and he's got the pedigree. Um, there's a lot to like about him as a prospect. Um, I, now I, I'm interested because Goodwin's a left tackle in the class. Mm-hmm. Um, when you watch Hall, I would assume left tackle. I, he could probably play right as well, but it seems like left tackle would be the best for his future. So how they work out that out will be interesting. Um, but I definitely think there are there are traits they're looking for. Even Goodwin, from an athleticism standpoint, can really move, can really mm-hmm. bend. Um, I think Burton falls in line with that in last year's class. So does Wollaball a little bit. Um, and then this year's class, Bingham can really move for his size. Yeah. It's just, that's really what they're looking for. Um, whereas like a guy like Paul Rodriguez last year was more of a mauler mm-hmm. and a power player. I just don't think they're really looking for that anymore. And so you look at some of these other guys, it's just a lot of athleticism in some of these offensive line targets. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's something I'm going to get to. I don't know if I'll have this ready for today or not, but somebody close to the program told me we're, we're going to have the best offensive line class in the country. And when you look at it, can you, can you argue with it? The way that they're building this thing with blue chip talent and not only that, but what they're doing in the portal, it's, it's impressive. It really is impressive. They're hitting the right notes to ensure that that foundation, the big blue wall, isn't going anywhere. So, uh, and, and they've got a couple more fish out there. Uh, I think really the last, the, I mean, I, I think the last big one, I, I don't know if, here, here's the thing, like it, I, I feel like they've almost bargained with themselves that Wagner, they're willing to concede Wagner to get Goodwin and yeah. Ryan Bear who will be making his decision uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks or so. It was good to see – it was good news to see that he canceled the Notre Dame visit. But I think he got a few picks in for Michigan State. So, I guess it's going to be up to – Yeah, we're going to have to see how that how that plays out. Right. Uh, it does smell like Emil Wagner is going to end up at Notre Dame or Ohio State. Um, and then Bears, the big one in July. Um, Drew Bobo was another guy who visited this past weekend, but – it do, it definitely does seem like he's just going to go to Auburn to play for his dad. Um, so really, those and then Grayson Morgan was a guy from Nashville who visited last week. I think um, he could that, that spot could open for him. He's another guy out of Nashville um, because they're probably going to miss on Bobo and Wagner. So he might be the guy I think you look at next. But yeah, um, Bear is a big one. I think they really want him, and he's he's a guy that you know just just he's so big. 
you know, he's six, 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 seven. He's already like 330 pounds. He's just a monster. And somehow Goodwin makes him look small. Yeah. And you project him at right tackle. Yeah. You project him and potentially Goodwin at left tackle and right tackle together, probably down the road in, you know, 2024 or whatnot. That's just, that's just a lot of, I mean, that's NFL level size of tackle. And Mm -hmm. so the, and one of my big takeaways from the June recruiting period was and Dr. Richardson's the other guy who I forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah, that one feels like Florida State. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I, from the dinging I've done, Kentucky does feel good about that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes. You don't really know with these Miami kids, right? Right. There, you know, it's it can kind of get crazy within their recruitment, but I think Kentucky's done a really good job recruiting him, and I think they have a real chance at him. Um, so we'll see how that breaks out. But the real takeaway from camp, I think, was just the offensive line and defensive line talent that they were br- able to bring in. Um, it's clear that that's resonating with recruits, that this is a line of scrimmage program. Like, all, they just had three guys drafted off the offensive line and defensive line in the last mm-hmm. two classes. So, that like, they're producing players. Josh Paschal, Darian Kennard's going to be a first-round pick. Um, and Capasco is going to go on this next year's draft. Like they're producing players. Um, so the, I think it's catching a lot of people's eyes on the, on the recruiting trail. And I think that line of scrimmage recruiting is only going to continue to be effective because Kentucky has been built from the inside out and it's really helping them. But at the same time, there's other positions that they're struggling with, like, you know, quarterback and wide receiver. <laughs> Because of that, so that, 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 that there's definitely a yin and yang there that they're trying to fix, but um, it is easier to find receivers than it is offensive line players, even though Kentucky just seems to be struggling with that. But that well, was kind of like my big takeaway from the whole junior recruiting period was how like attractive I think Kentucky is for some of these line of scrimmage talents. Yeah, I, and then I just go back to where the other pieces of the puzzle fit because – you don't want to take a huge class because you want to have availability in the portal. Uh, and you, you also need to address some areas of need. And it also seems like now they've emphasized a few more guys locally. So Caleb Perry from the new school in Scott County, great crossing. He picked up a scholarship offer. Um, and like many other UK recruits, Tennessee is all about Caleb Perry. Um, they, you know, they're, they're fishing, the balls are fishing a lot of the same waters as Kentucky. Uh, but another local kid too, uh, Manuel's Juwan Northington got a scholarship offer. And I, I've been a big fan of his game for a while. And I was wondering, yeah, but is he, is he a good enough athlete to do it? I know he, he's got, he checks all the boxes. He's got great intangibles. He's a physical runner, but he's quick enough to play SEC football. And, uh, you know, I heard he he ran a four five at camp, which that's that's had to be what was enough to get him the offer and to do it too. When there aren't a ton of other schools out there for him, I know Purdue and like Army. Uh, I don't even know if Louisville had offered him to this point. So they haven't yet. Yeah, which just like what are you doing, Satterfield? Like that should be a a no brainer unless Aiden Robbins has been kind of a bust for him. Maybe they're hesitant, but like you gotta 
you you got to offer a kid like that out there. So Kentucky's in the mix for some local guys at some positions where, you know, Perry, I guess Perry is more of a will linebacker than he is a edge guy. I think he's kind of a tweener where he could play both, but you look at some like length for linebacker. That's something Kentucky is like when you look at Chris Oates, Jamin Davis, Mm -hmm. some of those off ball linebackers. Trevin Wallace is only 6'1", but he's got really a really huge wingspan. Um, but Martez Stower is not really in that mold. Jacquez Jones is not really in that mold. So that that I think he brings some length to the position. Um, and he's a – I was at the camp he was at on Wednesday, and he got a ton of attention from Summerall. And Brad, he worked Brad White individually for like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. He, I, he's – I haven't watched his tape yet, but he is a really – really good looking prospect like you can see it with him um like that's a guy that's gonna be six three ish in 230 ish pounds mm-hmm. and that, that's built really well like i you can see it with him um and kentucky came with that offer when he camped and the same thing happened with norlington when he camped they right. issued offers and i think he i think it makes a lot of sense and you just look like look at the Kentucky recruiting. They're really hammering I mean, it home the, half in the, the backyard. Cl- half the class is going to be from Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's setting up that way. And then it's it's off the last three classes where it's been like six, five, six as far as signees go. And Louisville was on track to sign zero in-state players for two, the second class in a row. So – you know, they're just kind of loading up uh-huh. on talent right now. And I think that's kind of how the trend this this class is going. Like you could get Northington, you can get hopefully get Perry from Tennessee and then and then hopefully Dan Key. And then boom, you're just kind of controlling those state. And then I think it can have long term ripple effects. Like if you get some of these guys in the NFL from home, like like it can really give you a leg up because you kind of like we're the brand, you know, at home, it, you don't have to go out of state to get in the NFL. And then the other school is just not even trying, like hardly even trying, it seems like to recruit, to recruit you. And so I think it, there's a really good opportunity here. Um, Kentucky's kind of taking advantage of the talent, the rising talent at home. And Vince Merrill's just done a really good job. I think kind of building a fence around the state. Well, I still love hearing that. We're going to build a fence around that state. Yeah, that's a classic, classic recruiting move. A great introductory press conference move, too. The, uh, a favorite, if you will. Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know how close those guys would be to making a decision or not, but Kentucky's definitely in a good place for both. And just in Northington's case, I've got to just, boast about him a little bit more not just because he's a guy from down the street in manual high school which is i don't know two miles three miles from my house but uh i I, one of my tournaments we covered high school basketball this year was the seventh region and manual mail they're as oldest rivalry in, in football in the state of kentucky and as a sophomore he put the team on his back and almost un upset the undefeated defending state 6a champs in the final game of the season they lost on a game-winning field goal as time expired uh was not expected to be that close at all he had 
I think 135 yards on 13 carries and two touchdowns. Just a great game. The game gets canceled the following year, but he does face them in that seventh region tournament. Mail, they they weren't the state champs because Sweet 16 got canceled, but they were the top team in the state for most of the season. He's going up against Caleb Glenn, who's top 100 rise or sophomore at the time, six foot six guy. Northington's five foot eleven, maybe. But dude, he's just got. I mean, from the waist down, he looks like an offensive lineman. I mean, he's just a freaking tank and. He was not scared one bit. He was going right at Glenn, uh, up and under moves, banging in the boards. I mean, it was you couldn't you couldn't help but cheer for that guy watching him play. Emmanuel takes him into overtime, beats him. It was a hell of an upset. And while Northington, I don't think he was the best player for Emmanuel that day. He was certainly a big reason why they stayed in that game, though. He, if he wasn't the best, he was the second or third best. So uh, really enjoy just all of the the tools that that Northington has. I mean, he, he totally like that's one position too. like it that I, I remember somebody asking on the radio, like is Kentucky ever going to get four and five star talents? They will at the offensive line, but they don't need to at running back. They do really well with these guys who are the kind of unheralded three-star guys that maybe don't have the game change, like the, the kind of that burst, but they've got enough sauce to to be really talented, and it starts with Benny, yeah. and it moves on up. And I, I think Lavelle Wright, another local kid from North Harden, he I, he's got all the the intangibles to to be similar, to be cut from that that same mold. So uh, Chris Rodriguez, very similar, and I think Northington, he checks those same boxes. That hardworking, uh, doesn't let one guy take him down, uh, runs north south. It's like I I really like the culture that they've built out of. The, the running back room and it, it's it's not so different than what they've done with the blue wall you can believe whatever you want to believe about eddie grant as an office coordinator mm-hmm. but as a running back coach he's up there with i think anybody yeah yeah and some of the development of some of these guys have proven that and then they landed a guy in john settle who's who's, who's done something similar at wisconsin now we'll see how that translates here at kentucky but yeah yeah they they're, they've been able to find bodies and running backs in position nick like it's not like if you go and look at the top 20 rushers in college football, there's a lot of three-star recruits on there. Mm-hmm. You go and look at the draft or look at guys in the NFL, like running of uh, the running back position, a lot of times is just, you know, if you put if you put uh, some good surrounding pieces around them, usually you can find guys that can rush for a lot of yards. Right. And I think that's that, that on the recruiting trail, sometimes it's easier to find those guys. Chuba Hubbard. Is a good example. Three-star dude from Canada. Nobody recruited. Leads the NCAA in rushing. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a lot of the big guys. I think the most recent example that is definitely an exception are a all of the Georgia running backs. But um, who's the dude from Florida State that is now playing on the West Coast for I think the Rams? Um, Cam Akers. Yeah, yeah. The, the was, surrounding pieces stunk. So yeah, he had no room to run at Florida State. And now he, he had a really good. He's still, season last year for the Rams. He still had put up some great numbers there, but you know that was without any help whatsoever. So, right. Uh, but I, I like what Kentucky's doing in that running back room, which brings us to Chris Rodriguez, preseason honorable mention All American by PFF. I'm not surprised like it because they've they've their grading system. They've been high on Rodriguez and Kennard, who is a first team selection. They've been high on those two, uh, you know, since halfway through last season. 
Uh, so that does not come as a shock whatsoever to me. And frankly, I just, I love it. I, because how many times I have to write those stories about, you know, Benny Snell lighting a USA Today preseason rankings on fire, you know, Kentucky spurned again. Can you believe it? Like, it's kind of nice to write preseason All-American articles. It's just crazy to me that that he's going to, like, we're going to go to SC Media Days and he's going to be like third team. It's just wild. It's wild. Well, to me. they're going to put that dude at Alabama that hasn't played a snap. Well, uh, everybody's drinking the Tank Bigsby Kool Aid. And that's going to be the guy who's going to be first team. I would drink the Tank. I mean, Tank Bigsby, too. Like, that's a great freaking name. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, and I, I like you can Bigsby. Buy the hype train. I, I like him. But just the, the Robert, I just, it's crazy to me. But. We'll see. Like everything is pointing to him having monsters, monster season. <laughs> Seriously, and like, I just don't know how monster of a season though. Like seventeen hundred pers- yards, twelve personnel. Cole Keeblick's already on record saying Kentucky's the best offensive line in SEC. They might be about to add a starting caliber left tackle, SEC starting caliber left t- tackle to join that group. They're um. This new run, this new running scheme is built to have more explosive plays. I just, I mean, I like that. The it just, everything's pointing to him to just be have a like you know a monster season. Like I first, no doubt, first team All SEC season because of his numbers um, and his efficiency that he's produced to this point in his career has been just off the charts. Yeah, yet, uh, I mean. Yeah, it's not. It's. I mean, it's just crazy to me. Well, and it's, some of it's. You know, you you do got to put the onus on Grand for not rushing him a ton uh, last year. Like he just didn't get the volume that you'd want to see in somebody like that. But yeah, seventeen fifty three. That's the one record that Benny Snell did not touch. Mo Williams said it back in nineteen ninety five. Actually, no. Excuse me. That was total yards for scrimmage. Sixteen hundred yards was sixteen hundred even is what Mo Williams had. And I think it's I think it's possible. I think he can have a performance like that. One of the best performances we've seen from a Kentucky running back in a single season. But you know what also is a is a great high performer, Adam Luckett? What's that? Manscaped. Sure is. Their 4.0 performance package is the best of the best. Uh summer, it's it's hotter than blazes out there. I mean you're in Florida like it, and I think it's hotter in Kentucky right now. It is a thousand degrees outside. It's humid. It's sticky. Keep cool with the help of our friends at Manscaped, who just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the lawnmower 4.0. Yeah, that's right. The 4.0, fourth generation lawnmower. Compliment your summer grooming routine with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining. Call your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code Roush, R-O-U-S-H. Bundle up with that Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. We're inside. You'll get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which, I mean, fellas, yeah, you can't. Come on. 
nose hairs all over the place, ear hair, even the eyebrows. You can kind of, I struggle with those. They're bushy as heck, but that those trimmers can really help you out there. It also comes with the crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. And that travel bag is top of the line. Like it, like we, we each got one and it's, mm-hmm. it's usurped my previous travel bag. It's that nice. Uh, the performance, the lawnmower 4.0 is the goat of all men's body trimmers. It features cutting edge style ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunctional on off switch that can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000 K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more more precise shave. The waterproof tool is exactly what you need this summer to keep cool during the blazing hot dog days with 4th of July right around the corner. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code Roush at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Roush at manscaped.com. Stay fresh this summer and shine with Manscaped. Lucky it. Are you a big firework guy? Not really. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, here's the thing. I've almost got an inverse relationship with them because they're going to be big uh, this weekend. So yeah. I hate them when it's Joe somebody in your neighborhood who's launching them at 8 o'clock and the sun is still out and it's June 29th. Like, what What the hell, dude? Just wait until it gets dark at least. Yeah, see, they don't bother me like – People shooting them off. I don't really care, but like, I'm not going out and spending money on fireworks. Oh no, no, I never would either, but I do kind of enjoy, like we'll go to a summer picnic in my wife's hometown and somebody, they'll have a decent fireworks display. And like, that's kind of fun in person. You have some beers and you, whoa. Uh, it's also kind of fun to see them uh, like up close and personal. So one of my friends, they, they, they have their own thunder over Shively. And yeah. that's fun when you got a front row seat and they're just blasting off and like you've got to dodge some, you know, some some flaming ash. Or shrapnel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that that can be kind of fun too. But I just I just hate. Can we not just keep it to one weekend? Like I, I can deal with it for a weekend. It's the the jerk offs who have to do it on a Tuesday night when it's sunny out. Like you can't even enjoy them when it's sunny out. Just wait till it's dark, damn it. Because then. Yeah. My baby is is probably sound asleep. My dog won't care at that point. When you go early, it just ruins everything. So, um, be be responsible, firework blasters this this weekend, folks. And that ends our old man yells at cloud segment segment on here on Eleven Personnel. Oh, oh no, it, it's it's still going on because damn it, I'm tired of those stupid NBA jerseys wearing dark colors at home. Look, you got to get on my side with this one. It's stupid. The- the Bucks blue jerseys they wore what? game what the three. Hell those threw me off. I was what? like, "What? Like, who am I watching right now?" At least those really they, threw me off. The Heat wore yellow. I mean, back in the '90s with Alonzo Mourning, they were red and yellow and black. Right. But like blue, where does that even come from? That threw me. Yeah, I didn't, that threw me way off. I was like, "What is going on here?" So so dumb, so asinine. Um, but like, you got some big Fourth of July plans coming up this weekend, right? I do heading to Charleston. First time going to be in Charleston. Thank you everyone for the recommendations. I appreciate it. We've got a few restaurants picked out, got a tea time booked. Nice. We're excited. Just be somewhere breezy. Cause man, that place 
It's in low country. And low country yeah. means it's humid as hell. So you probably could have picked a better weekend to go. But hey, either way, I, I know you're going to be having a good time. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be stupid packed too. <laughs> Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, COVID's yeah. gone or the COVID scare is gone kind of officially. But yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. Nick, before we get out of here, though, mm-hmm. need, to, need to talk quarterbacks right quick. Yep. You saw one of them or two of them throw last week. Yeah. yeah. Did they pass? Did they get the Adam Luckett stamp of approval? Yeah. Chris Parson and Brock Glenn threw last weekend. Chris Parson looked like a top 100 recruit. Mm-hmm. Like, Got all the throwing, right stuff. Right. Throwing seeds, could throw on the run, um, deep ball accuracy. Um, he's got pocket movement skills about six foot 197 he told ksr um, when he when he measured in um cohen was all over him he stayed for a visit afterwards um, that's a guy kentucky likes a lot now that there's a lot of other schools that like him too um, florida state's gonna be tough to beat there mm-hmm. he grew up a florida state fan he went to miami alabama and tennessee this past weekend alabama has not offered um but he confirmed with ksr he is going to come to the lsu game and an interesting Ooh. tidbit he gave me, Nick. Okay. Um, the coaches told him it's going to be a night game. Oh yeah, yeah. I so, mean, I think we all knew that, but, right? Yeah. So I, the you know, so that sound like the university is planning on that game being at night. Probably so that's going to be Hall of Fame weekend too. That's going to be a great day. If I were to, if I were to guess it, but yeah, that's going to be that might be the first game where it's really like. Wow, we're like really, really, really back now. Yeah, tailgate all day, night game against LSU. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a spectacle. They're gonna bring a bunch of fans too, and that's kind of fun to mix it up with road fans a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, man, ah, can't wait. Can't wait. That's gonna be a great weekend in Lexington for sure. Yeah, I uh, and as much as I was sad to see like we the the recruiting blitz for the month of June did give us a lot kind of yes, nice to exhale a little bit we've got sec media days coming up in what two weeks or so mm-hmm. uh, and, and that there's a bunch of announcements coming in july too so there's right. not much all the groundwork has kind of been done now you're just waiting for decisions really yeah going from there i uh I am a little worried though, Luckett, because we did. Get, I did get some emails about SEC media days, limiting capacity and stuff like that. So I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but we're going to find a way to get in there. Damn it, we're going to find a way to get in there. Yeah, how big is this ballroom we're going to? It's enormous. Can we be spread out? The thing is, is I think we'd be fine, except for Alabama Day. You know. Uh, and yeah. So I think they really. Which is Wednesday, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think that they're going to uh, make it day by day uh, with some of this stuff where they're going to allow people. In. They asked me to prioritize teams uh, for uh, each of us, like which teams you cover. And I tried to spread us out to where we can be there for at least have one person there for each day. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in the building, because like you. You know, you can do a lot of stuff from around there. So I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna see how it play it was out. But either way, the plan is to have the whole KSR crew there for the the event. Cause like dude, SEC Media Days is fun. It kind of Are you doing the radio show down there? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. You gonna set course. up on the row? No, no, it costs like a thousand bucks. 
It's no, stupid. no, wow. Yeah, it costs a ton of money to just like say we're down at Radio Row. Well, like I can say I'm at SEC Media Days and be at my sister's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know you get that effect uh, regardless. But um, I'm excited, man. We're, we're, we're Phil, have you have you got your Phil Steele yet? I know some of those have been <laughs> on the way out the door. But it, did you have have you have you gone to store searching for Phil Steele yet? You remember my Athlon trips? Yeah. I've been to two stores, over two. There's a Barnes and Noble here. I'm down in Jacksonville this week. It's but it's like a 25 minute drive, so I'm debating. I'm gonna have to call them at some point. Figure out yeah. whether I want to make their off. So no, my answer is no. I I've had not good luck with um with the preseason mags on the shelves. Yeah, but I will be getting that soon for sure. I actually had to resort to just ordering it straight from him because unlike. See, I did- Unlike Athlon, Athlon yeah. is at least like on shelves places. Phil Steele, for some reason, is it's only Barnes and Noble. Yeah, um, the the PFF All SEC teams they just came out. Kennard, first team, Wandale and Rodriguez second team, along with uh, Corker and Fortner. So at least somebody out well, there's not sleeping yeah. on Corker. Well deserved, both of those guys. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll be getting a lot more of that. I'm I'm also very much looking forward to. Uh, being at SEC Media Days and not what's the opposite of sandbagging because that's what I'm going to do for the Kentucky guys. I don't care. They're all first teamers. Somebody's yeah. got to do it, right? We're mm-hmm. KSR, damn it. We can be homers. And um, like public kind of perceptions are kind of born at SEC Media Days for teams. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what those will be for some teams this year. Like, I think Missouri is going to be the flavor of the month. Yes. In the East. They're going to be that third team. I'm interested to like hear some of the Matt Corral hype. Because oh, I yeah. think he's really good. I'm interested to see if some people are like drinking that Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. And then just some other ones. We, like what's the vibe around Tennessee for this year? Yeah. Man, they've got a weird staff. Like David Ubin is writing about a dude that – uh one of their yeah, guys used that. to fly Marine One during the Bush administration, and now he's, uh, you know, an administrative recruiting evaluation guy. I mean, they've got a couple of these dudes who have had some weird jobs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. At least Ubin's got something to yeah. write about. They have to be at like sixty-something scholarship players right now. I was thinking about doing a little project, seeing how many because they've got like thirty guys in the portal, <laughs> and they've added like ten. And then their recruiting class, um, their quarterback, Caden Salter, last week. He got thrown off the team. He got for, thrown off the team. He had a couple uh, he, marijuana arrests, it sounded like. Yeah, two in, two in your first eight months yeah. on campus. Like, so, buddy, yeah. clean, don't be so sloppy. Clean it up. So, I think I counted it up. They are, like, down to in – in that class, they're down to, like, 11 high school signees. And because when, when Hypo got hired, he added a couple of JUCO guys late. So, it's like 15 guys in that recruiting class now, but – you know, only 11 of them are will stay for longer than two years if they stay that i mean it's just there's a recipe for disaster there and so i'm just interested to hear like that vibe around them because it sounded like their fan base is kind of they know like it's gonna suck these next three years yeah. oh man you loved you love to see it we, yeah, we yeah. made it almost an hour without talking about nil which it's crazy nowadays. It, it also makes me kind of happy because I'm kind of blue in the face talking about it. It's, yeah. My it, thoughts on Neil is really like 
we don't know how this is going to work. Right, like, right. I have no clue um, what's going to happen. I saw Matt Brown, who used to write for SB Nation, is like looking to hire guys to write. Um, I've seen Graham Mertz had like his own logo he came out with. Oklahoma keeps have, like all these recruits. They're they're pose, posing in front of Rolls Royces and mm-hmm. all these lux- luxury cars. Something's I'm, going on down there. I'm excited that. to see who july 1st at midnight is going to announce a deal yeah like i mean i i'm i'm really curious as to just how much stuff is going to come out from this right away because i know that there's going to be a flood in that first week and then kind of like a slow trickle down so yeah how many under the table like agreements have there been so far kind of thing tons tons so yeah see i like yeah i don't know i mean i guess we'll have to that's why like i I've, i've tried to you know not get too invested into it because it's much more I, I really would much rather prefer to see the chips fall where they may you've seen some guys like bully mccall jacques jones some other guys say hey dms mm-hmm. are open let me know if you're interested uh who do you think's the most valuable uh from a marketing perspective from if you if you have your business who are you getting on the kentucky football team to to be a part of your uh program yeah wandale's the first one stands out to me local kid Mm-hmm. He's back home. Yep. He's probably going to be pretty good this year. That's one a big one. Rodriguez is another one just because he's going to be really good. I think Pascal, possibly he's a guy people a lot know yeah. a lot. He's got an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. From just Kennard, inter- Kennard inter- would be great, or just like yeah. getting the big blue wall in general. Uh, somebody Mc- suggested a, a fence Mc- company hire a mm-hmm. bunch of UK offensive linemen. <laughs> McCall from, from an entertainment wall. standpoint. Yeah. I think he could probably have some entertaining content. I'm not – a lot of it is, like, who's good on social media? Which is one of them, you know? Yeah. It's, like, really who is good on that. Like, those are the guys, I think. Squared is a lot of of value. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Uh, And, hell, I try to stay off their Instagrams as much as possible. Right. I I would like to have my Instagram be most of just people I know. But, you know, I follow some of them. They're pretty active. So, I don't – we're going to see def- guys are definitely going to be cashing in by the time that we speak next week. Dare Rosenthal, he'll probably be uh, a, a wildcat by the time we speak next week. So uh, even though things are going to slow down some like it, they really are. This is year round, man. We, we aren't really having to, to reach mm-hmm. too much for stuff to talk about, which is uh, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. No doubt at all. No doubt at all. Well, a big thanks to our friends from Manscaped for sponsoring today's podcast. Once again, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using the code Roush, R-O-U-S-H, at checkout. Uh, for Adam Luckett, I am Nick Roush. We'll be back again next week. Have a safe 4th of July weekend. Enjoy it. Happy Independence Day, America. Go Cats and go Kroger. <laughs>